There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. There have been times where an opportunity has come my way. And I even have thought like, I don't want to leave this company right now. But saying yes, taking that leap of faith and trying, I think. So I'd say, say yes to your curiosity. To thrive in a rapidly evolving landscape, brands must move at an ever-increasing pace. I'm Matt Britton, founder and CEO of Suzy. Join me and key industry leaders as we dive deep into the shifting consumer trends within their industry, why it matters now, and how you can keep up. Welcome to the Speed of Culture. Today, we're going to be speaking with Cheryl Gresham. Cheryl is CMO and VP of Marketing at Verizon Value. Cheryl, so great to see you. Thanks so much for coming today. Great to see you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to this. Huge fan of Verizon, been a longtime customer, uh, and really interested to hear how you're continuing to push the business forward. But before we dive into what you're working on at Verizon, I'd like to go into a little bit of your background. You, amongst other roles coming right out of school, spent a lot of time working in the advertising industry at agencies. Right. Tell us about that experience and how that helped prepare you to ultimately go on the brand side. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was something I'd always been interested in, even since I was actually in high school. I took a marketing class in high school, and I remember learning about demographics. Yeah. And I found it fascinating as a 17-year-old. Why? I have no idea, but I remember <laughs> thinking like, wow, if you send different messages to different people, you can make their behavior potentially change, yeah. right? And so I just remember, I always thought it was really interesting. So coming into the agency world, what I loved about it was a couple of things. I'd say just the energy of the people you're working with. I mean, to be in your 20s and working at an ad agency is a pretty yeah, magical like it. time, right? It is. And the relationships you build. Exactly. Working on a variety of different businesses, I would imagine. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that was, it's funny, I, I actually just had lunch earlier today with some people and I, I was talking about some of those variety of businesses, right, that I had worked on. And it gives you different perspectives and different understandings of, you know, what the goals are, the purchase cycles, 
is someone going to turn right into a QSR because they're hungry right now? Or is somebody going to take six months to research a new Toyota? And so really like learning about the different companies and how their business runs was really interesting to me. And then just learning the different aspects of how we do our work from, you know, I always call it from the hands-on keyboards up, you know, and I am old enough to say, like, I remember going to like our research team and they would point you to like file cabinets where they had books. Right. And you'd have to like pull the books out and look things up. And so I'm sure that was super current research too. Right, if it's right, right. Books, right. Exactly. But it taught you the ins and out. And I think it makes you a better marketer as a result because you've you've had to do some of that work on your own you understand the pace you understand what's realistic not realistic what's possible yeah and then again just it's almost like i feel like an extra layer of college for marketers yeah so you hear that a lot yeah which is really interesting yeah and yeah. some people never leave the agency world right true you, you decided to about 10 years out yeah i went to go work at a you know iconic brand taco bell right um, right what was the experience like yeah. working there if Working at the agency was like college. Taco Bell was an MBA. Okay. You know, in what an, way? An MBA on steroids. I mean, first of all, I will say that the leadership at that company, particularly at that time, we had Greg Creed as our CEO. And then Brian Nickel came in afterwards. Greg is now doing, you know, some other work and Brian's over at Chipotle, but incredible leaders there during that time. But I started during what we called the beef crisis. And I have a knack for that. We'll probably get to that later. But <laughs> I started during the beef crisis and there had been some press out about Taco Bell not using real meat and sales were plummeting. And so it was all hands on deck. What are we going to do? How are we going to move fast and fix this? And so probably about eight or nine months into it, we did a complete what we call, you know, turnaround. We came up with the idea of Live Moss, rebranding Taco Bell. It sounds so long ago now, but focusing on those millennials yeah. who were just coming of age, Big deal, right? right? The at first generation time. that grew up with the internet. So they exactly. looked at how they consume media differently, they looked exactly. at brands differently. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when I got there, it was 2011, but we were using like our POP merchandising that we used in store. We would take pictures of it and that's what we would put on Facebook. Right. You know, because that's what you did. Yeah. And then, and it was all about like getting as many followers and yeah. likes as possible, right? Before the evil geniuses, as I like to call them, you know, yes. figured out how to monetize. Programmatic, but, right? Exactly. Yeah. But it was a great time. The people, my colleagues I worked there have, so many of them have gone on to wonderful roles, wonderful places. We've all stayed in touch. Like it was very collegial. And I think we felt really safe too, to push, try different things. We had this saying, you know, a lot of people say it, but we, I would say we did it. Best idea wins. Yeah. And, you know, people could come up. And I remember one time an agency or digital agency, we had to go find one because we didn't have one in the beginning. But our digital agency pitched this idea of let's make a movie and let's do it at South by Southwest, which was something you know that. important to the brand. And they pitched it. This great idea. We ended up making it. And at the time, I gosh, I can't remember if he was CMO or CEO at the time, but I remember Brian Nickel in the room was like, yeah, let's go do it. And like we did it and we, you know, took a big swing and 
wanted to make sure to align well with our community, the music program we had established, but then also, quite frankly, get people talking about Taco Bell in places that wouldn't normally talk about Taco Bell, like a Rolling Stone magazine. And so that was sort of our... It's how a lifestyle brand is created from just the place you go get tacos, right? Exactly. They also made a hotel, I remember, Taco Bell. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, just great people that I worked with there. And, And we have all stayed in touch. We're on text chains and events like this will follow up with each other. But definitely, I think that was a great, not only learning experience, but we turned the brand around. You know, after we had that decline, we started hitting all of our numbers quarter after quarter, year after year. And that was really fun too. And we had this mentality of like, we called it BYA, beat year ago. And you always have to beat year ago. And what are we going to do? What are we lapping? What's coming up? No surprises. Right. You'd have a plan and then you'd have a tested backup plan in place. And really, I think, learned just some great marketing fundamentals. And again, back to the business, right? Of like, what's going to drive the business? Our intention was to drive people into the restaurants. And so if we launched marketing on a Sunday and by Tuesday morning, we didn't see traffic picking up at the restaurants. What's going on? Did this work? Did this work? Did this work? And we'd change it. And by Thursday, we'd have something else going on. So it was a really great way to learn, too, about how to move the pace of retail and the pace of QSR. And those who sit and wait, you just get left behind. And I think about that a lot, too. I think we operated that way because we were a challenger brand. And I think just the type of people that we had there and, you know, I continue to watch what they're doing and they're, you know, doing, continue to do great things. But I love this saying, and we can't admire the results, right? Like you have to keep thinking about what's next, what's next, how am I going to beat it? And I think having the freedom and the permission, right, to take some big swings and maybe you fail, but you've got to try and take those big swings. Yeah. And I mean, being in a place like that, where it sounds like the people were great and the opportunity was great. How do you know when it's time to leave? Oh, because gosh. a lot of people could be it in a situation a like that where yeah. they stay forever. Yeah. Did you know it was right? Were you kind of unsure? You jumped over to Mattel yeah. from there where you were for a couple of years. Like, yeah. Talk to me about that decision. Yeah. Process. Oh, it, it's tough. It was great. And it was a tough, tough decision to leave. Mm-hmm. I think what what I saw with myself was just probably like many of us do is sort of that career planning. Yeah. Where am I going? What's my next move? Is there opportunity for growth? Does that opportunity for growth mean that I stay, you know, in the state that I'm in or do I have to leave to go live in another state? Or the same category. Right. You could have stayed in QSR. Exactly. Exactly. And and I will tell you, and maybe it, it ties back to, you know, my time at the agencies, but I also was mindful in my own journey of, wanting to make sure that I wasn't the QSR person. Right. Right. And so... Why is that important to you? Yeah, I'd say two things. Selfishly, I just am curious. I I am a curious person. I'm the one who might ask, you know, the silly question in a room, but then maybe other people have the same question and wouldn't ask. But I find myself to be a very curious person. And then also, I think what I, I saw for myself, I wasn't, I have to tell you, I didn't know where I was going quite yet. Maybe I still don't today. But I had this mindset of try new things, take different challenges, and sort of see where life takes you. Yeah. And I figured I would be smarter and better for trying something different. And a new opportunity came up. It was really hard leaving Taco Bell. The people were 
incredible and excellent, but it was time to make a move. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to jump around a little bit, but sure. then you later in your career spend some time at two very prolific tech companies, yeah. uh, Google and TikTok. I know both in their own right, very different, but how is the consumer technology space different than the experiences in CPG, QSR, et cetera, that you had had prior? Oh God. It was like a hit in the face, to be honest. I remember coming into Google, which is an incredible company in people and everything. I, I always joke that Google employees do not know how good they are treated. You know, the ones who have only worked there. It's a very good company. Yeah. And, but I do remember talking to one of our agency folks that I worked with and saying like, what is going on? They want us to do a special study to measure the Super Bowl. And I think we were doing, it had been aligned before I came in, but we were doing something in the Super Bowl, just like a unit in the pregame show. And you were working on a YouTube. I was working on YouTube TV. Yep. Um, Or YouTube business, but this specific example was YouTube TV, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do they mean they need to study the Super Bowl? It's the freaking Super Bowl. We look at this data, we look at this data, like, duh. But the person I remember that I, I worked so closely with at the agency, she said to me, the fundamental belief was it some of the other companies, there was a belief in marketing because the marketing grew the company and, and built the company. And I think in tech, usually the model, and particularly with an incredible company and products like Google, the products percent the company. If you think about it, most of the most successful tech products were not built from advertising. Right. Facebook, Spotify, Google, right. YouTube, they all just kind of had this viral loop to them. Exactly. Right? Yeah. An engineer said to me once, you only need marketing if you have a crappy product. Right. And I was like stunned, you know, coming from my background, I'd never had someone who thought that differently. And that's because those are per utilities. So yeah. you're building utility for the consumer. So the utility should sort of sell itself. Exactly. I don't know if that's the case with like bottled water. Right. right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But what was so interesting about that and what I love about my experience from being there and, and getting faced with that, I'll call it skepticism, right, was I think it made me smarter, right? Because I had to be able to explain what the marketing was going to do to drive the business and why the marketing investment would return the results we wanted and how would I measure that and how would I prove it? Because no one would accept the fact that a Super Bowl spot equals success. Right, or impressions or... prove that it was successful. And I think that that experience at Google and and honestly at, at TikTok as well, made me look at marketing from a different perspective. You can't take for granted that your budgets are always going to stay where they are or that whatever, that business is going to have an impact and that you are a driver of the business. I think about it that way, that you're a stockholder. You want the stock to be good. If spending a dollar on marketing is not going to be as good as spending a dollar somewhere else in hiring the company. Hiring a salesperson, right. hiring an engineer. Exactly. And, and that you, you have to have more of a, I don't know, like a neutral mindset of like, yes, you're the marketing leader or marketing person, but for the success of the company, what's the right thing to do? And so I think it gave me a balance in my understanding that people definitely have different perspectives, different point of views. And I definitely would say I probably understand our CFOs much better now. Yes. Right. Which you need to be really close with your CFOs and your finance people. So I think that's really what helped me there. I mean, there were many things, but that was one of the biggest changes I would say I noticed coming from, let's call it marketing led companies 
to into the tech space. All these great companies you've worked at, I would imagine, and you mentioned this specifically your time at Taco Bell, is that you've come in contact with such great people. Right. And over time, you're moving around. How are you able to, throughout your career, just maintain that network? Because I would imagine that's a huge part of your success is, yeah. is keeping in touch with these people, learning and growing with them. A funny story I'll share with you. You know, how do you keep in touch with the network? But I'll say this, you got to be kind and you've got to be kind to everyone you work with. One of my favorites is when I was at Taco Bell, they had, as we all, many of us did pre-pandemic, I call it the caste system of who gets what desks and offices and depending on your rank, where you get to sit. So corner office. Right, right. exactly. So I had an office with a window and, and I remember I had this big sliding door and I would get in early many days and outside my door was this little cubicle and our intern was sitting there. And our intern was, I think, finishing up his MBA at the time. And we would just chat in the morning and he would come with these ideas. And a lot of times he might not get support from other people for the ideas. And he would come and sort of pitch me these ideas and be like, what if we did this? Or what if we just try it a little bit? And what if we could just exactly do this? Exactly the type of intern you want to have, right? Exactly, yeah. right? And so he and I developed like a friendship, a partnership. And I, yeah, let's try it. Let's do it. Let's try it. Let's do it. So anyway, long story short, he continues a, a very fast rise within his career. And one day he calls me and, you know, we had always stayed in touch and seen each other along the way, but he calls me and offers me a job, my intern, you know, he wasn't my intern, but he was the intern and offers me a job at TikTok. So back to your point of like networking, building relationships. You never know. You never know who is going to be someone who's, you pull people up sometimes and they pull you up other times. And that's what I think about a lot is like, how would I want to be treated? You know, if somebody reaches out to you on LinkedIn that maybe you've lost touch with or something and, hey, could you help me out here? Just trying to do that and trying to stay consistent there. And I don't know that there's a, a masterful way to do it, but I think like that, it sounds corny, but like kindness, like, right? Well, it makes you sense because I find a lot of people, especially younger in their career, they only focus and prioritize on the people who can help them in the moment. Yeah. So you work for Procter & Gamble. Oh, I'm going to be nice to you. But if you worked for a nonprofit, I'm not going to sit next to you at the exactly. conference. I'm going to look right past you. Right. And I think that's, it's something that I think people don't learn until later in life is that that person can't help you today, but who knows where tomorrow is going to bring. And even if nothing ever comes back, you feel better about yourself by helping other people over time. So it's just such a positive benefit to doing that. Right, exactly. And so, yeah, I just always, I think great people that I've gotten to work with, but staying in touch with people, certainly text, obviously social media, all those things now help us even more. For sure. But I think it's just always been this idea of on the early days, it was me like reaching out maybe to people above me or people to right and left of me. But over my career, you know, even building relationships with people, like I said, like an intern or at Google, there was a great group of folks that were on my team who were straight out of college or their MBA program. And I don't know what it is. I love the the energy, the enthusiasm. Because well, of your the, curiosity right, too, right? Right. And, yeah. and you know, I I remember, oh God, I forget what we called them at Google, but it was this group and it was a program and they come in and they built like a Google Slides deck on 
I think it was like millennial slang or Gen, Gen Z slang, one uh-huh. of them. And it was like all this slang that we were like the olds, you know, in the group who like you're old at Google if you're over, over 30. Right. But like the olds in the group, we were like, take us through this, teach us. And so this whole team was like taking us through like slang and language and this and that. And I learned enough to learn it, but or I had enough time with it to learn it. But then I remember they had to like eliminate it quickly because it wasn't like something they wanted floating around. But it was something of like they'd put some time and intentionality into it. And we were wanting to make sure that we were still staying relevant in our communications, that we were mindful about how we showed up in social and you have to study it. And if you're not, I so passionately believe that like as marketers, you have to be like a student at all times, no matter if you're 50 or if you're 25. A hundred percent. What's interesting right now, one of our brands, I haven't worked on a brand this old in a long time, but like the core consumer is like a 45-year-old. Right. To market to a 45-year-old is very different than a 25-year-old. And so you've got to think about, okay, put your yourself in the mindset of who that is, having interceptions with marketing messages, how do we reach them best? And I think back to the curiosity and the constantly educating yourself, you have to force yourself. I don't love some of the social media that I have partaken in over the years, right. but, but you have to know it. Of you, course. Like, I just don't know how you cannot know it. You have to hands on keyboard. You have to be a practitioner. Yes. Go and figure out how to download that app on your television and search. And do you like it? Do you not like it? By the way, how do the ads look on it? If there's ads, you know, you just have to be in that mindset. Walk up and down the store aisles. My team gets crazy. But I like go on the weekends to different stores and I'll like take pictures. I'll take video. Here's what this looks like. Here's what this looks like. Have we thought about changing this? You've got to stay in that mindset of the customer. We'll be right back with the Speed of Culture after a few words from our sponsors. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. 
And talking about staying relevant and in the right mindset. So you, that intern did hire you to go yes, on TikTok. And yes. You were there for a short period. While you were there, you were awarded at Ages Marketer of the Year uh, for 2020, 2020 being a crazy year yeah. uh, in our history. Mm-hmm. What did you see about the product and the brand that made you believe that it would achieve such success? And, and what do you think TikTok's prospects are moving forward now that you're not yeah. there anymore? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I want to give credit to the intern who brought me to TikTok, who was uh, Nick Tran wonderful friend, partner, colleague. And he um, had gotten there as the global head of marketing and had talked to me about coming over. And so took that leap of faith and went over to TikTok. And it was pretty crazy. It was the day before I started, I believe, the president announced that he wanted to ban the product. Right. So it was a pretty like jarring start. Kevin Mayer was the CEO at the time who'd come over from Disney and it was very chaotic. But I'll tell you what I thought was so interesting. I had been on Musical.ly back to, right, trying new products, new apps, right? I had been on Musical.ly, what, 2014, 2015, maybe 16, I don't know, somewhere in there. And I remember using Musical.ly with my kids who at the time were just very little. And so then when TikTok came and, you know, took over Musical.ly, I was using the product, you know, just as a consumer. And quite frankly, being at YouTube, I had my own little like research case study at home. and, And my kids at the time had been totally addicted to YouTube, like, you know, YouTube kids and just watching it, watching it. They knew how to work the iPads and use YouTube. All of a sudden, I saw this shift where their time spent, like (laughs) marketer, but their time spent was going into TikTok. And I remember being like, there's something going on here. And certainly YouTube didn't miss that TikTok was in existence and was growing. But I remember one day, one of my kids said to me, mama, I like TikTok more than YouTube. And I remember just thinking like, wow, like that was fast also. And so... What made me excited about it was like, it was, you know, obviously the short form, the interactiveness, rather than maybe I'll call it the more passive of watching, you know, videos, which both excellent products, excellent (laughs) products. But there was a different aspect, I'll call it of like community. I think it was a different type of community than on YouTube and just how like trends could break and how it didn't matter you could have two followers or two friends instant hit and it could be an instant hit. And I remember it must've been, I think I started in August of 2020 and in October, remember the guy, his name is Dogface, or he goes by Dogface, the Stevie Nicks song. And I'm not going to remember it, but he's drinking the cranberry juice on the skateboard to the Stevie Nicks song. Or maybe it was Fleetwood Mac. But, L- landslide, um, was it? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I would hum it, but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. But it was fascinating. This person that you would never expect to even, A, be into that music. Right. B, doesn't look like a kid, you know, riding on a, a skateboard. It looks like he's on his way to work. Yeah. You know, and then, and then drinking cranberry juice on his way. And that just became such a hit. And I remember we had built this team where we were like, we have got to move at the speed of culture. There you go. You know, there you go. (laughs) Right. And we were like, we've got to be able to turn stuff around in 48 hours. Yeah. And so we started making the calls. We reached out to him. We talked to our agency. We're like, we've got NBA playoff inventory. It was, or no, was it playoffs? No, it was like October. So it must have been new 
the new season. Right, in the bubble. Maybe but, it was yeah. the bubble they had the tournament, oh, the bubble. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think that's what it was. So we yeah. knew we had, that's right, because yeah. there were like September games. Yeah, yep. Yes, because it was September, I feel like. The so, season got paused and then it didn't yes. finish until around, oh, I want to say Halloween and then the next year. That was hard yeah. time. Anyway, so, <laughs> but we had NBA inventory and we were like, let's get this in, let's get this spot made and let's get this out into the world. And it was so crazy because what we were trying to do what we were trying to do at that time was not be banned. But also at that time, TikTok was like a kid app, yeah. right? Most people whose kids were using it so were true. even under like 12 years old. Yeah. I mean, mine like were. Like Facebook started in college, but TikTok started with 12 yeah. year olds. Yeah. yeah. And they were all doing, you know, oh, the, was it Megan the Stallion? I can't, uh, Renegade. Yeah. So they were all doing the dances and everything. And so what we were trying to do was like get older audiences onto the app. I remember one of our agencies said, you're the only people trying to like get age up, right. you know, that we work right. with, but we were trying to age up. And then we were also trying to showcase the fact that like TikTok is us, right? TikTok is us and brings us together. And so we were able to turn that creative around in about 48 hours. We ended up being able to get Stevie Nicks onto the platform. Imagine right? how far that is from the day of going through a file cabinet and digging up research to right. your point earlier. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. We were able to get Stevie Nicks on the platform, which is great. She can help us age up a little bit. I remember a friend of ours who we worked at Taco Bell together, and she's at a different place now, but she sent a picture of her Target. All the cranberry juice was sold out on the shelves. And it was just one of those moments of like, God, this platform has so much power and so much relevance. And it sounds corny, but like it was so joyful. Yeah. You know, that video that he made was just like, I'm chilling. I'm having a good day. It's so crazy because that juxtaposed against the yeah, the political landscape exactly. and how even today TikTok yes. is viewed. Exactly. You hear the state of Montana is, yeah. you know, planning on banning TikTok. So, exactly. I mean, what are your thoughts about that TikTok's yeah. role in society relative to it being a Chinese-owned company? Oh, like, yeah. You know what? I would say, I think that they're having some good conversations that they should have. Yeah. So I think they need to have those Fair conversations. Yeah. And I think that, to be honest, I just don't think we as America have really been in a situation before where we've even had to think about this. Yeah. You Most know, of the innovation in me has come from America. Here. Yeah. And, you know, China's been kicking our companies out for decades. Yeah. You know, it's it's an interesting thing if you step back and think about it. They've been kicking our companies out. And so we just haven't really gotten to that point, I don't believe, before where we've been in this position where yeah. one of their products is so meaningful and important here. I will tell you, I know there will be a lot of sad folks if it leaves, but, you know, I know reels and shorts are making a run at it, but it's good that they're having the conversations yeah, they are. for sure. So, so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your current role. You've had such a amazing career that it took us a while to even get to what you're working on now. Thank you, but, thank uh, you. But I'm sure all those learnings are very much relevant to your role today as CMO and VP of Marketing Verizon Value. For those of our audience who don't know what Verizon Value is relative yeah. to just Verizon Wireless, what is it and I know. what are you working on there and, and yeah. where do you see the business going? Yeah, it's an interesting shift. I was talking to somebody the other day about this and you know, Verizon Value has really only existed since about January. Verizon has always been Verizon and you had the wireless service, home internet, et cetera. But what has happened over time is Verizon's been very purposeful, I'll say about two paths. One was, I'll call it innovation with Visible and, and thinking about back to like that idea of following the puck, 
where is our consumer going to be five years, 10 years from now? And so how do we get wireless service to our customers if our young Gen Z alphas, millennials don't want to go in stores anymore and don't want to sit on hold with 1-800 numbers. So Visible was established sort of to play that out and to see like, could we bring wireless service to people in an all digital way? And then by doing so, pass the savings along to those. Kind of what what digital banks are doing right now for consumers as well. Exactly, exactly. So there was that aspect that was already brewing. But then the secondary piece was that Verizon actually acquired TrackPhone at the end of 21. And TrackPhone, I'd heard of TrackPhone before. I think a lot of people have. What I didn't know was TrackPhone is like a house of brands. And so there's TrackPhone, Straight Talk, Total, Simple, many other brands that really served what we call the prepaid community. And and I'm going to guess probably a lot of people listening to this podcast probably are what we call postpaid. You Mm -hmm. You get your bill from your wireless carrier and you pay it when it comes. Right. But with prepaid, you basically, I call it more, a little bit more like a Netflix, but you pay and then you get your 30 days and then you pay and you get your 30. days. And so it gives people more flexibility. You exactly, can stop paying and it turns off and right. exactly, exactly. And so Verizon value was created to put all these brands together and make sure that we're looking at them, you know, across the portfolio and and what consumer segments and targets are we going to serve? And maybe visible is right for our digital side. Goes back to your fascination with demographics. Yes, exactly. Right. And now I'm like selling wireless service to 45-year-olds, there you go. Right? right? So we've got another brand that is targeted a little bit older. And so, and then we also look at channel, right? So that the unique difference I'd say with Verizon Value too, is that we don't own all our distribution. So like a CPG company, we are reliant on Walmart. retailers yeah. like Walmart, Target, yeah. Best Buy, hence my video and photography going into all these locations on weekends because we're relying on how we're merchandised there, what part of the store we're in, what competitors we're next to, and how much space they do or don't want to give us and how they want to work with us. So it's a very different like business model than, you know, I'll call it the maybe traditional Verizon. Which is a more vertically integrated solution. Exactly. You are the retail. Although even in the traditional model, you still have your authorized distributors as yes. well. Right? Yes, yes, exactly. So the team put the Verizon Value Org together. Angie Klein, who is a wonderful person as well, 23 years at Verizon. She is the CEO and president of Verizon Value. And then I lead marketing rolling into her for these brands. So where do you see the wireless space going. I mean, you have 5G, you have now people, I forget what the terminology is, but instead of running cable into the household, you're basically just putting 5G in the house and you're streaming TV in general. You don't even need traditional cable anymore. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that the space is going to be completely different in the next 10 years as it was. So how does that impact your go-to-market strategy, the products you're selling to the consumers, maybe how you're bundling it? Exactly. So yeah, so one of the interesting things to your point about how it's changing in 5G, when we were moving from 3G to 4G, or I mean, my goodness, even probably 2G, mm-hmm. right? Remember how like every two years you'd get a new phone? Oh, yeah. I got to get a phone. I got to get a new phone. The phone sales are declining because now that we're at about 4 and 5G, pretty much everywhere, people are turning over their phones less. And so Verizon obviously has led in network 
I'll call it dominance yes. for a long time. And it has had great reputation for that. One of the things we're looking at is how can we bring that network dominance, to be blunt, into these value segments, right? right? And provide these customers who, you know, I always say you could walk in with a handful of quarters at Walmart and buy one of our plans and we will not do credit checks. We are not going to require all the things that a postpaid customer would have to do. And they can get that service for 30 days and they can get it on the Verizon network. So that's one thing is how do we get more people onto our network? Basically expand your total addressable market. Exactly. And then also the team is working a lot on fixed wireless as you said. So back to, you know, at home, not having the cords and the cables and all of that, but kind of like having a, a super big mobile hotspot. Right. Right. That's that exactly you just have is. in your house. Right. You know, and, and with like YouTube TV, which you exactly. know better than anyone else, like you combine those two together oh. and it's a completely different oh, yeah. way to get content. Yeah. Home. We're Sunday ticket subscribers yeah, as of Sunday on yep. YouTube TV. Yep. My husband was so reluctant. We were, sorry, tangent, but like direct TV subs for over 20 years are for that. I got, I put a sat, I hung a satellite outside my yeah. apartment building and got fined so I could see my Philadelphia exactly. Eagles line with New York. I got, I, I got it. Send, I had this big satellite. I put it up myself. So yeah. I remember all that. Yep. So, and yeah. I, we, the funny thing was we had YouTube TV the whole time, but my husband would insist on watching direct TV. And I'm like, do you know how much? Anyway, right. I, I won't <laughs> turn into that right. side. But, right. but anyway, so we are Sunday ticket subscribers as of Sunday afternoon. He's learning the new user interface, yeah. but it'll be good. But to your point, it's all changing. Right. And I think what's exciting to me about that is it's going to give us like more addressability with how we can reach our consumers in their homes yeah. or their places where they're living and just make us all more mobile. I was, somebody the other day was talking about, I think it was someone in Florida that we work with that he's a Starlink subscriber and he drives around on like road trips with it. Yeah. And just the the mobility that it will allow us all to have in the connectivity. So I think value is here to like I'll call it bring this great network and then bring ease and flexibility to a lot of different people who have different needs. Some of our customers are literally just fresh coming into the country and they have a phone that does not work and they go to the bodega, they pick up a simple phone plan card and now they're connected. Some of our folks are senior citizens who just want talk. And they want to flip phone. So you basically need different applications for different yeah. segments of the population based upon yeah. their unique needs. Exactly. Yeah. And di- different ways to pay. Like, can right. they pay through PayPal, Cash App? Yes, they can pay in cash. Like, however they want to pay and having different ways to pay. What I like to think about with our space is there's a lot of choice and flexibility. And we're even looking at things like if you pay your 30 days, but, you know, maybe your next payday is another four days out. Right. We're looking at programs where like we will cover your data during that time to like carry you over so that you don't lose your number and have to sign up again. So we're looking at different opportunities like that. So I imagine a big part of that is just listen, going back to curiosity, listen to your consumer, understanding their lives, their needs. Right. So you can meet them where they are. Exactly. Exactly. the power of the network. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, we're even getting down into, are you paid... Every Friday, are you paid on the 1st and the 15th? Like, and it makes a big difference to folks, of course. you know, who are in that space and a couple days really can make or break you. So making sure that we're building, we call it the products, but building the, the plans the to be able to right. support people who have different needs and then giving them 
great service. Yeah, absolutely. So shifting gears as we wrap up here, I mean, you've had an amazing career. And as you mentioned earlier, you don't know where you're even going next, but it right. sounds like you have such great experience and, and there's a million places that you can take the rise in business and beyond. As you look back on your career, you talked about curiosity as being a big driver of your success. What are some other things that you'd point to in terms of decisions that you made right along the way that helped you get to where you are today yeah. in the CMO role? Yeah. I don't know if it was a decision I made at the time, yeah. but looking back, right. something that I don't know that I knew was as valuable coming up as I see it now and think, huh, that is really good. So I would say this is working with someone that is your boss, your leader, and having confidence and respect and like safety with that person, someone who is an advocate of you, your direct manager. Like, You're saying choosing who you go to work yeah. for based upon those attributes. Yeah, yeah, choosing who you go to work for. And then also it can't always just be that one person because people change, right? But then who else are the leaders? Who else are the leaders of that company? And are they people that you respect, admire, think are incredible people? And what I've found is when I've worked at companies where the answers are all yes, like, massive success and massive growth and opportunity. And sometimes people are at companies where maybe the leadership isn't the best. I remember early, early on in my career, I worked at Coca-Cola and no shame to the leadership, but I think we had three CEOs in like 18 months. Right. And it was a period of big, big change for the company. That was tough. And so it makes you tougher and stronger to go through tough business as well as great business. But I'd say looking at that direct manager and what's your relationship with that person? Do they support you? Do they want to lift you up? Do they want to grow you? Well, and then in your growth and the and people your around you, the people around them and may sound corny, but like even do their values align with your values? Yes. Yeah. Right. And are they someone you would be proud to be on a team with? And so I think that's something really important to look at. I love that. So finally here, Cheryl, if you had a quote or mantra that oh, you gosh. like live by, we always yeah. end up our podcast with this question because I think it's a good way to sum up how people look at their careers or their personal life. What comes to mind? First yeah. thing that comes to mind, no wrong answer. You know, I'd say the curiosity is a big one. Yeah. Right. But I think that leads to like saying yes. Right. And like taking some chances. Yeah. And there have been times where an opportunity has come my way. And I even have thought like, oh, I don't want to leave this company right, right now. But saying yes, taking that leap of faith and trying, I think. So I'd, I'd say, say yes to your curiosity yeah. or something I like that. I love that. That's fantastic. So, you made up a new yeah, motto right on the spot. So I love <laughs> it. Well, thank you so much for joining. It's been a fantastic thank discussion you. and cannot wait for our audience to hear it. On behalf of Susie and the Adwee team, thanks again to Cheryl Gresham, CMO and VP of Marketing of Verizon Value for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Speed of Culture podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Till next time, see you soon, everyone. Take care. Speed of Culture is brought to you by Susie as part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Agast Creator Network. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. To find out more about Susie, head to suzy.com. And make sure to search for the Speed of Culture in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click follow so you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Susie, thanks for listening.
Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 